Hello and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of February 19th, 2024. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And believe it or not, the S&P 500 was actually down for the week, 42 basis points, so not a real correction, at least in terms of the type of action we've seen so far in 2024, but a down week, which broke a pretty significant trend. I believe it was six weeks in a row that the S&P 500 was up. We talked about 14 of 15 weeks where the S&P 500 was up. And this was a week in which you saw the economic data, as we talked about last pod, that was going to move the market one way or the other. And that's the type of data we had last week. We had CPI, we had PPI, we also had retail sales, we got preliminary consumer sentiment, we got some Philly Fed and Empire Fed manufacturing data. So there was a lot of data this week for the market to digest and data that also mapped to what the market has been focused on, inflation, the impact on Fed policy, and of course, the state and health of the consumer. So PPI, CPI, the headline numbers this week, CPI, both higher than expected. So both beat what the consensus median forecast was CPI running at 0.4% versus 0.3 expected on a core basis. So that's back up to 3.9% year over year. If you're sort of watching at home, that means that we're still well off of that target rate from the Fed. And of course, the Fed prefers PCE as the favored measure of inflation, but CPI was by and large, trending in the right direction. PPI had already sort of turned the corner, as it were, and there were periods recently where core and headline PPI were either at or in the negative category, meaning that we actually were experiencing declining prices on the wholesale front, whereas CPI was just decelerating. And that's the distinction between what you read about, what you see in terms of prices are falling. Prices weren't actually falling in aggregate. They were just increasing at a much slower rate or at a slightly slower rate based on this recent CPI print. We had uh, retail sales, pretty big miss, negative 0.8 versus negative 0.3 expected. So as always, when the calendar turns, retail sales soften relative to what we saw at the end of the year in the holiday season, but it was a much more dramatic softening, and that was another thing that weighed on the market. But again, the S&P 500 finished 40, down 42 basis points for the week. So despite all of that, quote unquote, bad economic data as it relates to what the market is focused on, you still saw the S&P 500 down less than half a percent. And what was the leadership? Well, technology was down 2.5% this week alone. That's always going to be a significant drag on the market. Consumer discretionary down 49 basis points. Communication services down 28 basis points. So those three sectors all in the red for the week. Hard to see the market rallying, but there were some positive indications in other sectors of the market. You had healthcare up 1.11% for the week. You had these cyclical sectors, materials up 2.5%, energy, best performing sector up 2.71%, financials up another 1.5% or so for the week. Financials is quietly the third best performing sector year to date, something to 
really sort of hang your hat on if you've been positioning in financials over the course of the past couple of years and you've been seeing these these sort of swings in that sector in the S&P 500 based on what has been at times very negative data and at times what felt like very promising data from a net interest margin perspective. And yet here we are in financials is a leadership sector so far in 2024. And I'm not sure that was a consensus perspective on the 11 gig sectors. Utilities up 1.6% and then staples 23 basis points. So you only had four sectors down this week. Discretionary, as I mentioned, technology, as I mentioned, communication services, as I mentioned, and then, oh, real estate down 16 basis points, worst performing sector so far in 2024. And certainly a sector we talked a lot about as the calendar turned in that just rip roaring performance in the fourth quarter for real estate seemed to be at the very least a head fake. And maybe again, returns being moved forward in anticipation of Fed rate hiking. And as we've seen, based on odds in the market, language from not just Mr. Powell in the most recent meeting, but also the Fed governors and presidents who have been speaking, the timeline for a Fed cut seems to get pushed week by week, further and further out. There was a point in time where the market was expecting a Fed cut next month in March. And now the market is anticipating more like May, more like June. And those odds are actually going down as opposed to up. So we'll see. But all in all, a week in which the market took a breather. And unless you were concentrated in those three sectors we talk about, you might have had some relative gains if you were positioned more defensively or if you were in some of those sectors that were performing well last week on a relative basis to those sectors that led so much of 2023 and have really been a driving force once again here in 2024. So from a foes perspective, 7.5 million redeemed net across the lineup, 14 million shares out of consumer staples or XLP alone. 9 million shares redeemed out of XLE or energy. And then we saw 11 million shares created over the rolling one-week period in XLF financials and 4 million shares created in XLRE. So just getting back to the data front, on the PPI front, this is interesting to me because from the print was producer price index for final demand increased 0.3%. Month over month, higher than the expected 0.1% increase. So that's wholesale inflation. So wholesale inflation, which has been decelerating at a much faster rate than consumer inflation, sort of caught the market off guard this month. But PPI for finished goods rose 0.4% month over month from 0% last month. So on an annual basis, core PPI for finished goods currently at 2.4% year over year down from last month's 2.6% increase. So final demand versus finished goods, two nuances within that PPI data set, but ultimately that finished goods data, which is trending in the right direction, right around that sort of 2.5% level is reflective of consumer level inflation on a go forward basis. Meaning if the price for finished goods is trending in the right direction and the inflation for finished goods is slowing at a rate that is much more dramatic than what we're seeing on the consumer side. The question is, is does that start to filter into the consumer inflation numbers? And 
some of the stuff that's putting pressure on consumer prices, shelter, food, and the volatility in the energy segment that isn't captured in core, but does work its way through to those consumer goods will be the key things to watch within CPI. And some of those are stickier than others. We've seen some wage inflation recently. The flip side of all of this is that we have seen prices paid in some of those ISM prints on the wholesale side start to creep up once again. So we've talked about the fact that inflation doesn't follow a linear trajectory down or up. And I think the market had been anticipating that the deceleration in both consumer and wholesale inflation was just going to sort of continue to walk down. And that's not the real world that we live in. And so any sort of departure from that straight line down is going to spook a market that has been largely in the fourth quarter and now in early 2024, betting pretty aggressively on a more dovish policy stance from the Fed. And what the Fed has been trying to do verbally in public in any platform that they get in interviews is try and talk down the notion that they're ready to pivot and be more aggressive in terms of rate cuts. And that's partly because PCE, CPI, and PPI are not cooperating in the way that they need to for them to feel comfortable, especially considering that their other mandate, full employment, is still being met in terms of job creation, the level of unemployment in the United States. So with that, the sector in focus this week is energy. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on energy because ultimately it's a sector I've talked a lot about on the podcast. And it's a sector that has really differing opinions in terms of the outlook and the positioning. And it's a sector that has been sort of stubbornly suppressed in terms of its valuation profile. If you look at PE, price to book, price to cash flow. This is a sector that remains at significantly lower multiples than the market on a forward, on a trailing basis in terms of price to earnings. And the market has been unwilling to place a higher multiple on this sector, despite the fact that we've seen some really hardy prints from some of the key companies, Chevron and Exxon, as well as some of the other companies in the space. We've seen some significant M&A activity in the category. And yet, the energy sector remains at these stubbornly low valuations based not only on the market or relative to the market, but also relative to its own history. It's also a sector that has some structural headwinds. One of those headwinds, of course, is the energy transition and the idea that we're going to be weaning ourselves off of our reliance on fossil fuels, which is the bread and butter of how companies across the sector currently make their money. That will change. That will evolve. But in addition to all of that, you've got companies that are screened out of investor portfolios through an ESG framework, through a direct indexing framework. And that, at the very least, shrinks the capital pool available to these companies and helps explain perhaps why some of these companies are trading at these depressed valuations. But when you look at the return of capital that the sector is providing to shareholders through both dividends and buybacks, it is one of the most robust return of capital regimes in the market. And yet again, it's a sector that the market just refuses to place a higher multiple on and certainly a growth multiple when you think about the market through that growth and value lens. Whether or not that changes and what the catalyst may be for a change in that sector very much remains to be seen. But we've seen margins in the sector improve pretty dramatically off of that COVID bottom, which is no surprise, but they've been creeping higher as of late due to capital discipline and other endeavors these companies 
have put forth to improve the profitability of their businesses. And then when you think about that compounded growth rate of earnings, which at least over the course of the past five years has been about 22%, that doesn't stack up all that well with things like technology, with things like communication services or consumer discretionary. But importantly, it's not a sector that looks anything like technology, consumer discretionary, communication services. It is a very unique sector. It is historically, as we've talked about, a very volatile sector. But from a return of capital perspective, the buybacks, the yield on offer from the energy sector, it does fit in the construct of what a lot of advisors are looking for on behalf of their clients, which is additional yield from the equity sleeve of their portfolio in an environment where, in theory, interest rates are going to start going in the other direction. They've been going up for the course over the course of the past couple of years as a result of Fed policy. The expectation, of course, as we talked about, is that the Fed will begin cutting at some point in 2024. But for the time being, energy remains a sector that sees outflows, that trades at significant lower multiples than the market and other sectors in the market. And what will change that, in theory, is certain investor types coming back to the sector for a number of different reasons. And yet, we just haven't seen it. Like I mentioned, energy, best performing sector this week, in the green for 2024, up just north of 2%, right in the sort of middle of the market. But a sector that I always, as I've mentioned time and time again, find fascinating. So with that, let's look ahead to next week on the economic data front. Pretty quiet week. It is, of course, a holiday week. Happy President's Day weekend to all of those who are off on Monday and celebrating with their friends and family. We we get a lot less economic data this week. LEIs, PMIs, existing home sales. That's the bulk of it. LEIs I love because the conference board puts together a very textured look at what's driving economic activity. And the leading economic indicators have been in this slump now for the better part of two plus years. And that has historically been an indication of a pending recession. The conference board, as I've talked about, is signaling a shallow recession here in 2024 with real GDP growth shy of 1%. But it will be interesting to see if we can get into positive territory on the leading economic indicators index and change the perspective and opinion of the conference board on whether or not we're going to have a recession here in 2024. On the earnings front, just over 50 companies reporting this week. So we're sort of further and further into earnings season. So there aren't as many headline companies that dominate individual sectors reporting this week. Walmart and Home Depot are two that jump out at me, of course, because they give us a feel for the state of the consumer. But the big one this week is NVIDIA. And it's not a massive weighting in technology. It's six or so percent of XLK, but it is a company that has been on such a run and has been sort of front and center in this AI mania, if you want to call it that, in the market, and has been driving so much of technology's total return, despite the fact that it isn't a massive weighting in the sector. So NVIDIA's print, one of those market-moving prints at the company level, in line with what we see from some of these big economic data points, and certainly something that will be a line in the sand in terms of performance this week in the S&P 500, and more broadly, in the market. 
So with that, as always, I'd like to thank you for joining me. My name is Paul Bayaki, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday weekend, a wonderful short week. And as always, visit sectorspiders.com for everything sectors. Take care. Catch you next time.